This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. But as we were paddling out under the bridge, you know, we had some music going and the GoPro going, and we were like, stoked energy high and then the speaker died and then the gopro died and then my rudder fell off my boat so it was kind of like we made it just under the golden gate bridge and it felt like the universe was just like and your trip is over this is the third and final episode about the sacramento river source to sea journey We began talking with Jamie, Ari, and Alyssa in March, just before they launched on their 400-plus mile paddle trip from the source of the Sacramento River in the Klamath Mountains of North Central California to the sea in the San Francisco Bay at the Golden Gate Bridge. This episode hosts two separate interviews with the crew, one after they have entered the Delta and are amongst ocean vessels in the urban waters of San Francisco Bay, and the second interview a few weeks after their trip has ended and they are back to their lives on land. The intention of these multiple interviews over the past two months was to learn about a river that is likely new for all of us, to understand what it means to run a river from source to sea, and to hear the stories of the river's beauty and how that river serves the human communities built along it, and how that river likely has dealt with some human-constructed alterations. This source to sea trip began with the crew skiing on snow to the put-in, paddling down whitewater and camping in the mountain forest, leaving the mountains and entering the agriculture valleys that provide fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, and wines for much of the United States, and it has entered into the high-density population areas of San Francisco, Berkeley, Alcatraz, the Big Trees, and the edge of the Pacific Ocean. When they found stable ground, strong cell service, and decent weather, they gave me a call. Welcome back on River Number 2. Where are you? We're in the San Francisco Bay. We're not on the river anymore. We're on Angel Island State Park. We are currently seven feet above sea level. We can see the sea. It's exciting. You're seven feet above the sea level because you're on land, but the water is sea level? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the water is salt? Is it like brackish water? I would say it's more salt than not, but yeah, probably brackish. We're like six miles from the ocean, so... Um, mostly salt. Okay. And then uh, where where are you going? You got one more day left? Yep, we have one more day left. So we're about six miles from the Golden Gate Bridge. And so in the morning, or when the tides line up tomorrow, we'll make our way to the Golden Gate Bridge and then bring the tide, bury with the tide back in to our ending beach. So you kind of go out and then come back a little bit. Yeah, if the tides line up, right for us we'd like to go under the golden gate but our takeout is like on the east side of the golden gate bridge so inland fingers crossed we can go out under the golden gate that's like the finale bridge but we'll see at the edge of the golden gate then is that considered the ocean um yeah essentially like there's some landmass so the golden gate is like set back a little bit from like the edge of the landmass just because it wouldn't really work to build a bridge right on the edge um but yeah so it connects to kind of two points that come out and then um may it may be i don't know it's pretty much all salt water by the time you get there so it's essentially just like a little inlet from the ocean but yeah essentially the ocean and they call it a gate to the ocean right <laughs> <The> golden gate <laughs> the golden gate there we go <laughs> tell me about your boats so you you swapped out your 
you had pack rafts. You started with pack rafts and you swapped out into a new boat. Where did you do that? What kind of boats? How do you like them? Yeah, so uh, at Nice Landing, which is maybe close to 15 miles from the above the confluence of the Feather River and the Sacramento River, we switched into sea kayaks. And they were generously provided to us by Kathy at Delta Kayak Adventures. And um, they have a lot more capacity to hold gear inside of them in these hatches. And they're much more streamlined. They're made out of plastic. And they've been really great for just making better mileage on flat water and dealing with winds and tides. And do you, do you like having them? Yeah. I think as soon as we switched into them, we had that thought of why didn't we do this early? <laughs> right, right. Because you had flat water for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get into three questions. The first one. How has the landscape changed? How you know the riverscape and the landscape? How have those changed? You know, you've you've explained it from the mountains down to kind of that early ag area. Uh, but what do you want to tell us about what you're seeing as as different in the landscape and riverscape? The landscape has changed quite a bit since we last spoke. Um, so when we last talked, uh, there was still quite a bit of foliage and um, riparian area along the river. Some houses and everything and then we went into this big ag land that was kind of just like levees on either side you didn't see any of the riparian area really intact um it kind of all just looked the same it seems like we we're on a bit of a treadmill um because everything was the same and you can't really see past the levees so you can't really even see what the farms are like on either side but it's all like big ag land um and very unshaded and everything and then and then we started getting into the delta um and there was a lot more vegetation on the banks of the river still levied so we still couldn't really see what was beyond it um which then later when we had driven on the levee roads to do a couple interviews we discovered that there's like these huge wineries and like uh, walnut groves and cherry orchards along the side of the levees, which we couldn't even see from the river. So we're really grateful that we like went up onto the roads so that we could get that perspective. Then since the Delta, like once we got to Rio Vista, it opened up and now we're in like a very tidal affected area. Then we got into San Pablo Bay and now San Francisco Bay, uh, where it's just been like big wide open crossings. Um, definitely more ocean vibes. We have to worry about boat traffic. Um, so there's been quite a few different changes. Like we definitely went from just this river area where we weren't seeing hardly anybody to now we're in like a huge city and there's sailboats everywhere right now where we're at. Um, and we're worried about ferries running us over and definitely a lot of changes in the last week or so. I saw in a picture on Instagram major ocean vessel are, are you still encountering those yeah the ocean vessel that we had um passed on that video on instagram was just like parked on the side there's definitely some vessels that big around here there's a couple times this morning where we're like oh my god is that vessel coming right towards us but we just call in on our vhf radios and we say like hey we're three sea kayakers watch out for us basically um like a secure chain call and then they responded to us being like, okay, we see you. You'll be on our starboard side 
which is really comforting because when you see this huge boat just barreling towards you, there's no way that you can get out of the way in time if they don't see that they're coming right towards you. Yeah, it definitely has been a new thing to watch out for. And are you camping? What's the camping like out there? Yeah, we're just camping on a beach right now on the island. We have to um, make sure that our kayaks are pulled up far enough so that they don't get sucked up by the tide. Um, and also from where we are, we can see seals, and we saw a whale earlier, which was really cool. So different kinds of wildlife than we saw on the river. Yeah, cool. Uh, next question. Tell me about the humans you're meeting, the incidental human and the planned human. Okay, so yeah, since we last spoke, we had not quite made it to Chico, but since we spoke, we spent um, two nights in the Chico area, and during that time, we stopped at a farm, a CSA farm, and met the folks that run that, and we spoke with a Machupdamaidu woman named Allie, and she gave us kind of their history in the area, the Butte Chico area, and then we met some folks from Rancho Llano Seco, who are the owners of the oldest Spanish land grant in the state of California. It was granted in 1851 before California was a state. And then we got into the Delta and we spent two full days in the Delta meeting folks touring around the Delta. So in that time, we met with some engineers, levy engineers. We met with an owner of a winery and a ranch. We met with a lawyer who does work on water policy in the Delta. We met with a gentleman from the Delta Conservancy. We met with Flora in, in Sacramento, a woman from NOAA Fisheries. She's a fish biologist. We met a couple women who are part of a duck club in the, like, closer into the bay, but still in the Delta, so kind of on the tail end of the Delta. And we just met a lot of people in the Delta who live there and are passionate about the area. Like, everybody wants to talk to us and tell us their story. So we've met a lot of people since we last spoke. When you say meet, does that just mean, hey, how you doing, see you later? Or are, are you having interviews, longer conversations? The majority have been interviews anywhere from 30 minutes to one guy we spent five hours with. Wow. He toured us around the Delta. So, and then a lot of just like, hey, how you doing? This is what we're doing kind of thing. A lot of that, but we, most of the folks that I just named, we spent at least 30 minutes with and some quite a bit longer. Through those conversations and your own research and your own observations, what are the big issues that you see facing the Sac River, or the Sacramento River, and I guess really because you're in the Delta and then the Bay, do you see issues there as well? Are they the same issues? Are they different issues? And yeah, I, you know, no. I'm, I'm going to re sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. Challenges, I think, is a is a better word. Yeah, the Sacramento River definitely faces a lot of challenges, and they all seem to center around water supply and water quality. The further we've paddled downstream, the more intense the challenges are, especially around how to allocate the water in a semi-equitable way to support everything from wildlife to the agricultural industry to metropolitan areas and um, cities. So we've definitely seen an increase 
in the, I would say, just the intensity of the challenges as we've paddled downstream, and that's reflected in the interviews that we've done, where it just seems like there's more of an urgency to how people are concerned about water issues along the Sacramento River. For instance, you know, when we last spoke, we had met with some fishermen up near Red Bluff who were really concerned with the water quality and amount of water affecting the steelhead populations. Um, and as we've continued to float downstream, we've met with more um, fish scientists who have echoed their concerns over the shifting fish populations and decreasing fish populations, everything from the different Chinook runs to steelhead to sturgeon, and then getting into the delta, a lot of the water issues being connected more to agriculture. The delta supports a huge agriculture industry and exports about 3 million gallons of water for ag, um, as well as supporting like 25 million people with water. So it's definitely a big water hub in the state of California. And currently there are pumps on the southern end of the Delta that pump water and send it south to agricultural and municipal areas south of the Delta. And one of the main issues that we started hearing about were um, new projects to expand the amount of water that's getting exported from the Delta region south. Um, and it's called like the tunnels project. And um, so there's like a lot of concern around that. And now that we're down in the Bay, I think the concern again is around water quality. And um, if, if too much water is exported from above or in the Delta, then that allows the salt water from the ocean to continue to encroach on the natural estuaries and wetlands um, and essentially like salinize the fresh water, which would make it uninhabitable for not only all the species that call that place home, but then also for the agricultural industry and all the communities that that supports. Is that, is so, that because the, like the, the fresh water coming down out of these rivers is, is pushing out towards the ocean and kind of that, push current keeps the salt water from coming in too much. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It keeps it at bay. So the, the less water there is to um, like hold that balance, the the more the salt water can push further upstream, essentially, into mm-hmm. um, areas that traditionally are freshwater. There are like 35 different species of plants and animals in the Delta that are already on the endangered species list, so they're already threatened, and a a big concern is that with the water quality changes, many of those species would be lost forever. Okay, well, let's cut it there. Thanks for calling in. Tomorrow is your actual last day on the water, and our next interview will be sometime after, and we'll just let you reflect. We'll let you get some space and and come back and ask you some some big-picture thought questions. And So thanks for your time. Have a great day, great last night, and have fun tomorrow. Thank you, Sam. You're welcome. Great to talk to you. Take care. Bye. 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 
As you heard, they were within sight of the Golden Gate Bridge and surrounded by the urban complex of San Francisco, Berkeley, and Oakland, and all the other small communities. They camped on Angel Island that night and would head towards the Golden Gate Bridge the next morning. It is worth looking at a map to see how they left the skinny ribbon of the Sacramento River and entered into the massive bay, and then how that bay meets the sea at the small inlet. In this segment, I speak with only Ari and Alyssa. Jamie lives in Alaska and was back in the North Country doing winter things out of cell phone reach on the day of our call. For this call, Ari and Alyssa were sitting in a car with the cell phone charging in a grocery store parking lot. These two women grew up together in Mount Shasta, California, where they are calling from, the headwaters of the Sacramento River. Ari is a caretaker for her dad who needs consistent care, and just before this call, they had been moving her dad from a care facility back to his home, an action that is far from the downstream life of the river. So, if you can, imagine these two women, pals since they were seven years old, river strong from 400 miles of paddling, clear minds from a source-to-sea river trip, sitting in a car in a grocery store parking lot, cranking out some river philosophy. Ari and Alyssa, the next stage in your trip was to finish out at the Golden Gate Bridge. Can you tell us about what that, what that was all about, how that went, finishing up at the Golden Gate Bridge? Ooh, talk about, like, stepping back in time right now. <laughs> um, it definitely feels surreal. I think... Yeah, going under the Golden Gate was this mix of elation and um, feeling very surreal, but also some chaos. <laughs> like, there were um, decent tides. We kind of waited until there was almost a little bit of a, um incoming tide just so we wouldn't get swept out under the Golden Gate because we had heard that the tides can get really strong there and we just didn't want to end up way further out than we wanted to be. Um, but as we were paddling out under the bridge, you know, we had some music going and the GoPro going and we were like stoked, energy high. And then the speaker died and then the GoPro died. And then my rudder fell off my boat. So it was kind of like, we made it just under the concrete bridge and it felt like the universe was just like, and your trip is over. <laughs> Time to turn around. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think that was like this interesting sense of universal closure of just like, all right, we did it. And now we can just paddle back to the <laughs> Horseshoe Bay and celebrate with our friends and family and yeah, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I would concur. Ultimately, it felt like definitely a really great accomplishment and like Ari said, it felt surreal. Like, whoa, we've been planning this since October, and here we are. <laughs> we just paddled over 400 miles, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> we started in the snow, and now we're eating smoked salmon that was caught on the Sacramento River that was provided to us as appetizers at our takeout <laughs> by this guy, John, who's the president of the Golden State Salmon Association. And we were bedazzled with tutus and red roses and had a little crowd of close friends and family supporting us. And yeah, it was, it was really special to, to wrap up the trip. <laughs> 
So you, you, you get there, you meet all these folks, you have some snacks, uh, probably dance around, talk around, take pictures, that kind of stuff. Do you, and then I'm assuming you just load up and go home. Is that what you do? Or do you, do you camp out one more night? What does that look like at the end of that kind of trip? Um, well, it was really like classic sack source to see fashion where we were just like, oh, uh, how are all these boats going to fit in my truck? These 16 foot kayaks, they're not really going to fit in my six foot bed truck. And how are we going to do that? And so just kind of classic shit show of like figuring out what to do. But we did in also classic fashion. We always figure out what to do. And then we were staying in um, Mill Valley, which is like on that side of the Golden Gate Bridge, and then went to a nice dinner with family that evening and then drove home the next morning. And we stopped in Davis and had an interview with Peter Moyle, one of the leading fish biologists in the state who works for UC Davis. And that was it. The trip was over. Mm -hmm. Just like that. It was also really cool driving back up the five and noticing different um, exits along the highway that, you know, Alyssa and I have probably passed so many times in our life driving up and down. But now they have a whole new meaning of like, you know, Jelly's Ferry, Ball's Ferry. Um, We're like, oh, we know where that is. Oh, we camped there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like a really sweet section of river right there. And, you know, even getting to see pieces of the Sacramento as we were driving home and reflecting on how we could take three weeks to paddle it and one day, not even one day, like four and a half hours to drive back. The next question then, I'm curious, the two of you, Ari and Alyssa, you know, we, as we, as I said in the, in the transition there, Jamie is not able to join us for this final conversation, but you two, you have grown up in uh, the, the town of Mount Shasta, just near the Sacramento River. You've been pals since you were kids. And yet you, you both have your own individual relationships with the Sacramento River that I am assuming have just changed. Can you tell us about your kind of new relationship with that river now that you've been home, you've seen it from your town again and all the normal places that you've always looked at that river? How do you see and feel this, see this river and feel about this river differently now that you've been on this journey? Such a good question. I think what like first comes to mind for me is like how lucky we are because we do live at the source. And so the water is like, I'm biased. I think Ari's probably biased too, but the best water on the planet. I think growing up, it just felt like it wasn't, I think I took it for granted that we had such good water. And now I feel like that's a big thing that's changed is like, even if there is like a drought going on, we still have water. And so it feels weird because it's like, we're so lucky and also like so privileged and the privilege is like, I think a lot of people don't even realize that, that mm -hmm. having clean water is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when we were floating along the sack, we were getting water from um, places we were camping and it became a thing where, you know, we had to ask like, is this water okay to drink? Because a lot of the tap water um, maybe just comes from like wells that have been affected by years and years of heavy ag and 
where there's, you know, different fertilizers and herbicides, pesticides that have filtered down through the water table and you can taste it in the water. And um, I think that was definitely an awareness piece for us as we moved along the river of just recognizing, like Alyssa said, what a privilege it is to have access to clean water and how there's a lot of environmental racism involved in access to clean water, you know, in the areas where the water is contaminated, um, people who have the means, the economic status to purchase bottled water, you know, they're at an advantage versus people who maybe don't have that ability, then they're being exposed over years and years and years to these microtoxins and pollutants and what what are the long-term effects of that. So I think we both felt just like a huge amount of gratitude and also responsibility to make sure that we don't take that privilege for granted. Yeah, totally. That was like a big piece. And then I think also um, something that I've been reflecting on a lot over the last couple weeks since getting off is like wavering between feeling hopeful based on all these like positive interactions we had and then also feeling hopeless like okay, well, what can we do? And is there really any real change that can happen? And like, is it too late? Like, it just, it feels really, it feels huge. It feels like dire. Yeah. And we did have all these like incredible conversations where with people that are just like, yeah, we feel hopeful that change can happen. But on the other end, it's just like, how soon are these changes going to happen? And, and yeah, is it going to be possible? Yeah, I think, I think on the, the hopefulness level, we did all take hope just from the, the hope that the stakeholders held, because in many ways, they're the ones more directly affected and living the experience and so for them to express that they have hope is heartening um but trying to wrap our heads around like what is giving them hope sometimes felt abstract or just like not as clear to us and I think some of the things that uh we've talked about in reflection is just there is this sense of maybe some new new leadership like new perspectives more willingness to collaborate Um, coming into the field and I think that's where a lot of the hope stems from is just maybe moving past some of the traditional um, divisions and lines that have been drawn in the ground to try and um, collaborate more you know things like the Nigiri project where it's uh, conservationists and farmers ranchers working to establish viable rearing ground for salmon through rice fields, things like that, where it's it's bringing the different stakeholders to the table around a collective purpose and cause. At the end of the day, you know, there's water is such a important and critical resource, not only in California, but around the world. And there's only so much of it to go around. And at this point, especially in California, there are far more people and stakeholders, the environment, the species who need the water than there is water for everyone so at some point someone's gonna have to give up some of their water and that's where I think some of the hopelessness comes from 
ultimately it feels like compromise is not like a possibility or like an option anymore. It feels like it's becoming mandatory and like we just, everybody has to wake up to that fact and accept it and figure out how to move forward because theme across all stakeholders was we just need more water and we need clean water, but we're going into a couple decade long drought in California and we're not really going to see more water. Like our snowpack is in like in the Sierras, I think it was like 30% this year in our area. And then in Northern California, it was like at 40%. That's become the tradition. There's no normal anymore. This is our new normal. And of course we have years where the snowpack is, you know, at 90% or at a hundred percent, but we have to kind of shift our thinking in that way to 40% of what 40% of our historical data from 20 to 50 years ago, you know, we just have to really change our mindset around all of this and accept that our reality is going to be different moving forward. I think there is like a lot of hope expressed though, just in like human ingenuity too, and our ability to tackle really complex, challenging issues and find solutions. I mean, in many ways, the California water project in its current form is an example of human ingenuity and a way of addressing a complex issue. And maybe it's created more complex issues, but a lot of people have faith that we have the ability to continue to navigate that and tackle it and find some sort of solution. It might not be the ideal, but it'll be a path forward. And I think that's the hope is that there's still momentum and possibility of moving forward and not getting totally eddied out or stuck in a place of despair or hopelessness. What's next then? So you, you've done the trip, you've gotten to the, the Golden Gate, you've had your snacks, you've gone home, you've reflected. I'm assuming that you are all going back to your respective way of life that you have been living. I, I feel like you all have an intention to put out some sort of story about the project. What's next with that and kind of your whole experience? Yeah, Jamie is already working hard on editing the over 10 hours of footage that she collected throughout our journey and trying to pick out the best parts and weave them into um, a meaningful and coherent story somewhere in the 20 to 30 minute documentary that we can then submit to some film festivals, hopefully, hopefully by this fall. And while she's working on that, Alyssa and I are trying to collaborate with a few um, friends who work for Pusher Inc., uh, who are amazing at doing podcasts and just taking some of the audio that we collected from the trip to give um, a slightly different perspective on the trip. You know, the the film is going to be relatively short, and meanwhile, we had so many amazing in-depth conversations with folks along the way, and we really want to be able to share some of those stories more fully and that's the goal of the podcast is to provide space for deeper dives into some of the issues and then I think also a piece that we'd like to start working on is just stories like written stories so Ari and I are planning on collaborating on an article and then just like you know beginning to like share the story a little bit more through writing and photos. I mean, we have obviously so many photos and people are really keen to see little bits and pieces of it. So um, 
Yeah, and then starting to update the website a little bit more so that it can go from a platform of like, hey, this is something we're going to be doing to this is what we did and these are a bunch of resources that we collected. And if you have questions or you want to reach out to these people. So just kind of shifting the platform so that it's more of a usable platform so people can actually learn from what we learned. All right. Well, do you have any other, any last things you want to say, express? I mean, it, it feels a little uh, anticlimactic right now, but I mean, I remember calling y'all several months ago. You're doing the planning, all this hype, and then you do the trip, and it's super exciting. You get done, and well, geez, you're done. Um, oh, we're sitting in a grocery parking lot right now. It feels very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. Okay. Well, it's been a real, it's been really fun to do this with you all. I, I, I feel like that's a really canned, uh, exit, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. It's, it has been really fun to do this and interesting to pay attention to your, your journey and listen to it. And, um, very excited to learn more about what you do from, from here forward with the films and, and the interviews. California water is a big deal. There's a lot of eyes on it. And, uh, you know, people don't really pay attention to Montana water or, nebraska water so much but california water is a thing and so i appreciate your time and your energy and all of this and uh i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll be in touch in the future yeah definitely thanks sam yeah and thank you for you know being interested in our story and wanting us to be part of your program i mean i think you reaching out really early on kind of helped provide stoke like whoa people think this is cool people think this is exciting and um yeah, so doing things like this with you has been a really constant source of, like, restoke and refuel. Like, oh, yeah, this is a good thing to continue doing, and this is good work that we're doing. And really appreciate you helping us just extend the network and hopefully the listenership of people who can now tap in and tune into some of our learnings from the trip. So thank you for broadening the spectrum. Well, you're very welcome. The, the feeling goes both ways, and it's it's been fun. And, and you know, it's all about the rivers. It's all about the rivers. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's all at, about the yeah, rivers. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about the source to see. A Pacific Ocean-sized thanks goes out to Jamie, Alyssa, and Ari of Sacramento Source to See for bringing the river radius along on their Source to See journey. Also, thank you to Rivers for Change for supporting this project. We are working on bringing more Source to Sea trips to you throughout 2021. You can learn more about the topics covered in this episode in the show notes. You can find the River Radius on Instagram and Facebook where additional river content is published weekly. You can also find more information on our website. Those links are also in the show notes. You can contact us anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. We are always curious to hear what topics you would like us to cover. Send an email and tell us what's on your mind. My name is Sam Carter. Thanks so much for joining The River Radius.